as long as this pertains so that there's still some kind of object, even the object is so subtle that it defies description. And so in the formless realms, and they are technically formless, but the form or the object is really the nature of perception itself. The nature of consciousness becomes its own kind of object. It looks at the looks at the subtle uh, factors through which consciousness operates. So the same kind of nexus of consciousness and some kind of experience that it's having, and then you know some sort of way of in which that's felt, name it, and then around that there can still occur this, or does still occur this a subtle experience of self. That's you know it's not me as a historical personality. Uh, in neither perception or non-perception, you don't remember stealing hubcaps or anything like that. <laughs> it's there's <laughs> some sense uh, I wouldn't know. I've never been into this formless. Uh, neither perception, non-perception, but uh, but still, there's some kind of subjectivity to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so one of the things you can consider when you mean you kind of review these things is that this is not considered to be, uh, you know, an ins- inconsequential attainment or very, you know, very highly laudable and admirable attainment, but but it's not nibbana; it's not actually even necessary. That uh, uh, the kind of you like the, the description the Buddha is saying, well, uh, well, Ananda actually is saying that you know that you first jhana or the Brahma Vihara. This these are two doors to the deathless, and in fact, the, this this very high realm of neither perception nor perception isn't isn't even a door to nibbana because it's too subtle to really get any punya going with it. You can't get it. It's difficult to get a reading of something that's that fine. So it gives you an idea that actually this attenuation of consciousness, the attenuation of name and form, the attenuation of form down to just a subtle level of perception, is not is not it. It's not like eradicating form. It's not like you, like refining consciousness down to that level. You know, that's not it. It's getting it to a point when you can get a clear enough reading of it. And the really significant thing that, you, that can be done is, is this the habitual process of naming is changed. That's, that's, the, that's the significant thing. This is where the immediate karma is no longer being engineered. That is, we, in, we still inherit the backlog, being human, being male, being female, being this kind of body, and all that. These are the these are the contacts, the impressions that happen to us. We inherit that. But we're not laying down the conditions that that uh, make those things uh, suffering for us. We're not resisting them. We're not frightened of them. We're not obsessed with them. We're not guilty about them. We're not proud of them, we're not disgusted with it we're not wanting another set of something else out of the frying pan into fire thinking it would be better if you were some other kind of person oh dear 
So you just to get a, to be able to recognize this, and so that's that's very significant to see that this this is the, the liberation is seen as this, the breaking up of name and form when this no longer occurs. And it's not that, as we can see, it's not it wouldn't be just the breaking of form itself because if if a level of neither perception nor perception where you're hardly percipient. Or well, even further than that, it's called the, the complete shutdown of consciousness, which sounds fine to me. <laughs> <laughs> but that isn't it either. <laughs> you know, so there's no form, you know, just basically whatever that is. It sounds like a great idea, but that isn't it either. So it, it's not actually hammering away at whatever form. You know, whether you see form as a coarse thing, like a physical body or this place or whatever, or a subtle thing like these kind of thoughts and so on. It's, it's, it's really the working on the naming of it. And this is it's our, our attitudes and reactions become very significant, overwhelmingly significant for the, in this pragmatic Buddhist path. And this is how you hold yourself, how you hold the world. And this seems to be seen as con- also as impermanent changing. These are the bits you don't recognize. Know. Say there's things where we f- we are quite calm and equanimous. Some things where we're just kind of frightened and nervous, and that's maybe only you know five seconds long. You don't so it's oh, something else. You don't see that. You don't see. So don't actually realize that that has to be that has to be acknowledged. Or you may be very good at sitting, but then. You know, you've got all kinds of uh, negativity or willingness about work or about people or about this or that or the other. Mm-hmm. Or you feel a lack of confidence in this or you feel frightened of this or you feel you know, restless about that. So this whole thing has to be extended in wisdom. Mm-hmm. So we get a very full view of it. And in line with this process, we extend to the, provided that you can keep together the faculties that make that experience something you can contemplate and meditate on, and review and penetrate with insight. And although the realm of karma seems in a way so total, in that your whole sort of consciousness, like a, is the whole experience of reality. Is there some kind of karmic process? Like, I bet, you know, if you were born as an amoeba, I bet you wouldn't have these kind of problems. You'd experience a totally different world as an amoeba. But amoeba, isn't it either? Amoebas aren't enlightened. It's just, you know, so that, you know, it's all just about internal, but the whole of that, that apparently external experience. And the vibration that's associated with it is, is very much part of the practice. What one is designating that as. But you can punch a hole through it. You can't get to the end of it. But you can punch holes through it. And see through it. And why human beings get liberated and amoebas don't, Is that that you also is that because of this karma, the human karma is this way, 
and we're not just inheritors of karma, we're also karma active. Amoebas don't really lay down a lot in terms of karma. You know, good amoeba is about as good as a bad amoeba, really. <laughs> they don't get depressed, you know, and they don't have bad days. They're just about the same all the time. They don't really lay down a lot of, of, of causes and conditions in their lives. But they stay, they stay amoebas, and they're, next, they're re- probably reborn as amoebas. Because <laughs> 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 they, don't, they, don't, they don't have any a lot of karmic propensity to, to change things. And you can say something like slightly higher up the line, you've got Babu the cat, you know, who doesn't have a lot of say about what he's going to be, uh, you know, where he's going to put his mind today. It would basically be his little bowl, his kitty cat, and his radiator. It's not about the cat. And he doesn't have a lot more going on than that. But... So he's not really got a lot of ways to change. You know, he can't have a kind of generous day or develop ipeka or anything like that. So his immediate, his karma, his karmic propensity is quite subtle. But all he can do is hang out with monks and nuns <laughs> <laughs> and just absorb some of the goodness. You know, so he's got that. An amoeba probably wouldn't do that. Wouldn't really get any benefit out of being here. A cat would because it would at least you know, be less uh, neurotic, less frightened, less angry, it would cool down a bit. So you can see that just that association condition can be a skillful thing for, for, for to, to, to uh, recognize. And if it can happen to cats, hopefully it can happen to humans. Right? Hanging out in these kind of places absorbs a little bit of the good juices going around. That's not to be neglected. But we have a stronger, even stronger karmic uh, possibilities than Babu the cat, in that we can much more, uh, being human, we can de- we deliberately intend things. You know, we have a strong, we have a much more complex mind. It isn't just a nuisance. It's also something that can uh, consider and think. And thinking and consideration is, is is a skillful dharma practice. And we can direct, and we can look at one thing one way, and we can look at another way, and we can witness how we're thinking about it. And we can all use this using a kind of conventional, notional self. You know, this is what I'm feeling, but understanding it's just a kind of an expression like night or day is an expression, rather than some kind of absolute thing in itself. And one of the uh, the Things to consider, as a as a human, is that human beings generally have, almost always have, three skillful roots, karmic roots. They have greedlessness or uh, generosity. Um, they have um, hatelessness or kindness, and they have uh, clarity, discernment. If you didn't have these you certainly wouldn't be here. Any human, most human beings, probably the most deeply afflicted people would, would have these to some degree or another. These three skillful roots. We can certainly, we can see all the unskillful ones. 
because the self-view, a deluded view, a view based upon delusion, reflects and sees delusion, sees the fact of the delusion. You, so it takes some effort to actually reflect and witness things that are outside the self-view, outside that habit reflex, and reflect upon things like that, the generosity and the benevolence and the clarity and to enhance and cultivate those. This is how you, the Panya element works. It's something you, you deliberately work on, you think about, you consider, and you bring it up, and then you use it to stabilize your mind with. You make your mind, your jitta concentrates upon that. So you calm into something that's skillful. And then these two work together. And these, the, the, these skill roots are not—they're not remote, really. They're not kind of profound, remote technical terms like neither perception or non-perception. Generosity is something you know we can. Oh yeah, I know what that means. Benevolence, yeah, I know what that means. Clarity, well, I don't know. <laughs> I know what the other two mean anyway. <laughs> So these are these are why these kind of very fundamental uh, Buddhist virtues: generosity, kindness. Right. <coughs> At any moment, because this is not self, these are not permanent attributes. These are not something. I'm not permanently a generous person, some kind of entity. There's something we continually activate because of that. You intend it. You deliberately activate it. You don't rest upon it. You don't say, "Well, I was generous yesterday. I've done my generosity bit." I was kind you know, last year. <laughs> you're doing it all the time. And it's not just... Uh, and you do it... You develop it like, well, have I been generous to this? Have I been generous to that? Have I been kind with this? Have I been kind to this in this state? Have I been generous to that in that state? Have I done it when I'm in this mood? You know, you kind of... You enrich it and enhance it so that it's not just kind of on your good days and your good moments with someone you like when the weather's right. You, know? you do it, you're trying to do it thoroughly because of course what um, generosity, for example, is, is most enhanced not by what's given but, but by how it's given, isn't it? Like money doesn't do anything by itself but the, the heart that goes behind it is what really counts. So it's that heart quality, the intending generosity, and the, the giving, and that is the most significant thing. So when we see it like that, it's no longer just a kind of material, cash material something, but a whole movement of the heart to, to giving. And then it becomes, then we've developed it significantly, because then you, you've made it much more universal, universal uh, cultivation than just the fact one's got some material goods you can pass along. So the word, very familiar with dana, but perhaps a um, more useful and more uh, uh, far-reaching term is chago, because this also refers to, means largesse or grand-heartedness, and it refers to one of the qualities that brings around the cessation of dukkha, chago patinitsago mutti means the complete giving, relinquishing, 
it's this kind of gift because it really means giving of yourself. So this, of course, is the is the highest kind of giving to be giving of oneself. And whenever we give something, you know, material sense, the obviously the the more we're giving of ourselves with that, then the more valuable it is in terms of real. Um, uh, beauty of consciousness, the transcendence and the beauty of consciousness. This, and actually, that kind of giving is more possible because we can do it all the time um, in the con- as the conditions and causes of our lives tend to, when they're afflictive, tend to make us kind of clamp and protect and hunger and need and claw and grab. And then this is when that root of giving is is actually most valuable because it counteracts that tendency and then there can be the destruction of uh, unskillful habit reflex you know, to, to, to grab hold. To give to, it means also means to give up. To give up the present and the future, and the past. And the various ways in which one can experience one's mind is clawing, grabbing, holding, protecting, needing, demanding, wanting this. Then as we recognize that in ourselves, then that phenomenon is to be countered with giving, giving, giving. And as a, as a cultivator, as a meditator, as a summoner, there's no limit. You know, you don't actually just because you haven't got any money as a summoner doesn't mean you can't be doing this. In fact, you're giving because you don't have material things is more or less forced to to carry itself out in these other ways. And so it becomes a very powerful uh, root condition when it's seen in this circumstance. What have you got to give anymore? Hmm? Only yourself. You want to do a lot of skillful practice with that. And uh, kindness, benevolence. Again, hmm? what about when there's nobody to be nice to? Nobody you like? Then it gets even better, doesn't it, really? That spirit of non-harming, non-wounding. Will is not ill, not a disturbed, curdled, dingy, sour, crabby kind of will, but a willing that is benevolent towards oneself, towards the moods, towards the situations we're in. And clarity means to see to be, take the time to be clear about what we're doing. And don't and we again, it's to be extended. So we're not just clear in certain postures, but you know that clarity in action and in thought, clarity about purpose, uh, seeing it clearly, what's happening, not kind of creating all kinds of conceptual proliferation around it. These three roots which we all have are things that you that you can everybody can cultivate and develop. 
they are, they are possible, and they are in, they are the the uh, these are the re- these are the real nub of uh, what takes one out of suffering. This is the purpose of it. If you're not doing this, then you know, concentrating is is not really not even Buddhism really. <laughs> this is just uh, this this is yoga. Nice thing to do, but it's not. It's not a. It's not a. Buddha means awakening. Means kind of coming out of your mindset, not just putting it up. It's coming out of it. And these. So these are the things that whatever cultivates you have kind of a half jhana, you know, like first, but even quarter jhana. Then you cultivate. What well, you cultivate? Giving. You cultivate goodness. That generosity, cultivate clarity. You're in four and a half jhana, then you cultivate giving, you cultivate clarity, you cultivate uh, kindness, benevolence in those realms. Mm. This is really the, the heart of it. And as these things are not permanent, they're not self, which means they have to always be deliberate, intended. And they're because they are beautiful things, and things we are naturally uh, gladdened by. Just even to think of them is gladdening in my mind. And to remember the unkindness and the stinginess is saddening. Just even to consider them has got an immediate result of uplift and, and gladness. So, so they are very much that which we can lead us onwards and lead us inwards. And this is the way that Panya, these are wisdom qualities, because Panya has the ability to, has an immediate effect. And Jitta, effective Jitta, is slower. It's more, less immediate. It's kind of something that takes time, and develops in time, you get better with it in time. But the, this the Panya aspect is called the timeless deliverance. And you get an immediate result. That, that encourages and takes you forward. So I offer this for your reflection. Yes, I'm
Ah. Uh-huh. 